Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. What's What's your favorite store to go to at the mall? Ooh, good question. Um, I, mean, I like a good, you know, a good sporting goods store, you know, something like that, or uh, there, like if there's like a handcrafted chocolate store, you know. Oh, yeah, go, that's always good stuff. Go, go stock up on some of that stuff. Mine is uh, mine's the Samsung store. There's just okay. every time there's so many cool gadgets in there. There's it's just such a great place to waste time. When I was when I was younger, in fact, I wanted to be part of their security team. I was really into Guardians of the Galaxy. You gotta make them things quicker, dude. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Race and the Big Chop Man. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always by the snake to my mongoose or or the mongoose to my snake. I can't remember which. Cam Matthews. How's it going tonight, Cam? What? Shaking, bacon. Oh, not too much. It's uh, it's been a, a hell of a week for the Braves. All in all, a very good one. But we'll we'll get into that a little bit more later in the Braves breakdown. How's your week been going? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, I, I've spent the majority of the weekend helping my sister and her fiance get moved into their first house. So uh, nice. I'm a little little sore. Not gonna lie. Um, both of my elbows feel like they're on fire right now. Not great. <laughs> But, uh, but that's okay because we're off work tomorrow. And I, if, if I remember correctly, you've you've spent other parts of the week preparing for for uh, for their wedding as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So their wedding is on uh, Saturday the nineteenth. So um, everybody knows how very involved and detailed weddings are, and this one is no different. So we are very busy, uh, oh, which God, reminds I'm gonna, me. I'm going to have to find a substitute host, aren't I? Uh, yeah. I, two weeks from now, I will not be on the show. So plan oh, accordingly. Hell. Oh, boy. We're, we're doing it live. We're doing, doing it, live. it live. All right, O'Reilly. <laughs> what, uh, what have you been up to this week? Uh, not too much. Just uh, working like crazy, um, playing some tennis in my off time. That's that's really been about it. Uh, we're we're uh, bracing for the potential of of moving sometime in the near future. Okay. Um, my, my wife got a new job up at uh, up at Chateau Alain in Brazelton, uh, which is about an hour hour and fifteen minutes north of where we live right now, and that that commute's just not going to work for 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 long term. So uh, we're we're starting to explore our options. Very uh, good side of the Atlanta perimeter, which is a, a simultaneously exciting and terrifying endeavor. Eh, well, I mean, change and moving is always uh, a little scary, a little exciting, though. Cool I don't like being in the city, though, or, or at least close enough to realistically say I'm in the city. Right, right. Eh. What, um, uh, what, what, are you, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight I have, let's see, what is this called? It yeah, because we're recording on we're recording on Sunday night instead yes. of Sunday morning for a change. So the the freshest possible content for your Monday morning release. 
Yeah! Uh, I am drinking a Buena Vesa salt and lime Mexican lager from Stone Brewing out in California. Se fue! Se fue! Pelota! Home run! <laughs> Marcel Osuna! <laughs> All we've oh, been I... listening to have been the uh, Spanish language broadcasts of Braves games, and if you They're haven't, so good. you have to. They They're... are exhilarating. They are so good. They're really good. What are you drinking? Uh, just going with the old Sunday night faithful, drinking a Miller Lite swig of beer for the working man. And speaking of the working man, happy Labor Day, everybody. Happy Labor Day. Yes, I hope everybody's off of work. I uh, know the two of us are, so we'll, uh, yeah. we'll we'll just be passing the day away, probably watching some baseball and drinking a few beers. Yeah, Labor Day is Labor Day around here is usually kind of like the last pool day too. You know, you might have some warmer days in September, but you know that's usually the turning point where the nights get a little cooler. So you know, pool water gets a little cooler, that sort of thing. So it might might hit a hit the pool tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. What uh, what's, what's the weather been like in your part of North Carolina? Uh, well, this past week, it was pretty warm. Uh, I think Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday were upwards of 100 degrees with the heat index of like 110. Ooh. But, yeah, but fortunately this weekend, it didn't get any higher than 90, I don't think. So it, it cooled off significantly for the weekend, which was great, you know, moving he- very heavy furniture all weekend. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, you got lucky <laughs> on that one. Yeah, no we, kidding. Uh, how, it, how, it, how's the weather down there? It didn't get quite as hot as that here, but it was just that kind of gross, sticky humidity for most of the week. But oh yeah, but today, man, like it was, it was seventies, eighty, eighty ish for most of the day. It got a little hotter uh, towards the late afternoon, but but it was just beautiful today. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, fall weather's coming. That that nice fall weather. I'm, I am kind of looking forward to you know those mornings where you wake up and it's like 45 degrees outside and it gets up to about 75 during the day and yeah that's good stuff you know what i'm looking forward to football busting out my chatting average hoodie ah yes that i picked chatting average hoodie that i picked up from teespring.com slash stores slash chatting average podcast and this is not just promo i'm not lying to you guys it is the most comfortable hoodie i am at least Teespring's got that going for them, because goodness knows they can't accept any of our new designs for merchandise. Guys, uh, just so y'all know, when we can get our, our design issues sorted out with Teespring, we have three, by then possibly four designs on deck uh, that are just yeah. awesome, awesome t-shirts. Uh, so, uh, so save up a little bit of money, because you're going to want all three of these as soon as we drop them. Maybe uh maybe we can get a get a fourth one ready to go and it can be considered a grand slam special. Yes. Oh man. Uh well if we're gonna be talking about that then we need to get right into this week's Braves breakdown. I was hoping for a let's do it. Oh I'll say that for later. Oh. Break it down. Oh I'm totally leaving this in there. Okay. And now the Braves breakdown. It has been an exciting week for the Atlanta Braves, and we're going to get right into it, starting with the game last Sunday, August 30th. Braves take on the Phillies, and good Lord, was it a wild one. Braves ultimately win 12-10, but not before taking a 10-1 lead, then giving in the second inning, I add, and then giving up six in the third and one in the fourth to make it 10-8. 
go come back and score one in the fifth, give up two in the eighth, and have to add an insurance run in the ninth, and have Melanson come in and get a save. So yeah, Braves, Braves win, but not without dramatic. Yeah, it was a uh, so it was uh, newly acquired Tommy Malone's first start for Atlanta, and I think. Given what we saw in his second start, I think you can just kind of chalk it up to it being a bit of a whirlwind day for him. Um, Literally flew to Philadelphia that day after he was signed to make the first start. Yeah, so So, I I don't know. Congrats to the guy for having a rough start. I I think just about anybody would. And it's not like the Phillies are are some scrub lineup. Like, they they are a very good team. Yeah, I think... I think, too, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that had this feeling, as fun as it was to see the 10 runs scored in the second inning, in the back of my mind, I almost started thinking, this feels a little early to do that. You know what I mean? You're certainly right about that. Um, Yeah. Highlights of the game, Austin Riley goes two for four with a home run and a double. Yeah. Swanson hits a home run in the ninth to give us that insurance run and make it 12 to 10. Nick Markakis goes three for five with a double. Minter, Martin, Green, and Melanson were all very solid in relief. Tommy Malone, Luke Jackson, and Will Smith, not not so much. Ultimately, though, you win the game, you take the win, you move on to the next day. And the next day was Monday the 31st in Boston. So the Braves get their first look this year at Fenway Park. Austin Riley quite nearly has the moment of the game with a three RBI triple right near pesky pole that came about six inches from being a grand slam. It was so close. Oh, <laughs> when I when I saw it go opposite field, I, I think I jumped out of the recliner because I thought, oh, that's it. it it's hard to be mad about a basis clearing triple, but goodness gracious, was that a whisker from from a grand slam? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was close. Yep, Duvall hit a home run in that game as well. Max Fried gave us five innings pitched, allowing only five hits with two earned runs, two walks, and five strikeouts. O'Day, Martin, and Melanson, all very solid in relief. Will Smith, not so much. But the Braves win, 6-3. to three. That's two in a row. We're moving on to Tuesday, back at Fenway Park. Braves win 10-3. Marcel Ozuna becomes the first player in National League history to go into Fenway Park and hit three home runs, including a monster shot to center that I think literally broke StatCast because it said that that home run was 436. (laughs) It was easily 7,000 feet. For sure. He hit that as far as I've seen anybody hit a home run in, in Fenway Park. It was unbelievable. He also had Riley chip in with a double. Swanson hit a double. The line on Ian Anderson's night was six innings pitched, six hits, two earned runs, one walk, and eight strikeouts. A great follow-up performance from his first outing against the Yankees. So That, so you, that dog you, will hunt. That dog will hunt you. You you get a matchup with Garrett Cole in your debut against the Yankees, and you, you perform very impressively, and then you come back at Fenway Park against the Red Sox. I don't care what the Red Sox lineup looks like this year. To pitch your second-ever game in Fenway Park against a team that you grew up rooting for, mm-hmm. the, to, to be able to get past that and focus enough to put together a game like Ian Anderson did, I think speaks volumes to the talent we're looking at with this kid, and, and I feel very, very good about him being in the rotation moving forward. I think 
I think it's the composure element that oh, is, is is so impressive with him. And that's something that from the get-go, we were so impressed with Soroka when he first came up. Is that, you know, here you've got a very young, you know, early 20-something-year-old kid that isn't getting lost in the lights when he first comes up. And that's great. That's what you want a pitcher to do. You know, if he can go out there and perform as well as he is, and, and you know, I'm sure at some point he's going to have a rough outing, you know, Every pitcher does. I don't care what pitcher it is. Everybody has a rough outing every now and then. But I think for him to, in his first two starts, perform this well, I think shows just what kind of gumption this kid has. Absolutely. And what we got to see here, his line wasn't quite as impressive as it was in his first outing. In his first outing, he, he went in and threw a one hitter. I mean, what? he can't get much more impressive than that. But what I liked about his second outing was that he allowed some hits, he got into trouble a couple of times, and and stayed composed and got out of it. That that is something he, he looked like a, like a like a seasoned veteran, in in only his second start in the major leagues. Two runs keeps keeps your team in the game. Absolutely, especially you know, it, when it, you have a lineup like the Braves, especially when you have a player like Marcelo Zuna on the team. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be a shutout every time. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, a three-hit, you know, one-run outing. Two, three runs, heck, even four runs. It keeps your team in the game. Exactly. Exactly. So moving on from Tuesday, on Wednesday the 2nd, the Braves beat the Red Sox 7-5. to The story of the game, Adam Duvall hits three home runs making it the first time in Major League Baseball history that teammates have hit three home runs in back-to-back games and only the second time in Major League Baseball history that teammates have done it on back-to-back days. Those happened in doubleheaders with a couple of guys named Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Insane. It's it's just (laughs) insane. I I couldn't believe what I was watching, and I'm so glad I got home from work in time to, to be able to see both of those games. Yeah, I mean, I I don't care really what the what the stat is. Anytime that you get to throw around Gehrig and Ruth as something that, you know, you just tied with or broke the mark of, that's a cool thing. But then when you get to go into the deeper detail of this is the first time in history, you know, stuff like that's just really neat. And it's kind of been a historic week around baseball in general because just, what was it, Sunday or Monday night, for the first time in Major League history, the Cubs had all three outfielders hit multiple home runs in the same game. That had never happened before. It's it's one of the great things about baseball is that the game's been around for for generations and generations, and yet you can still tune in on on a random Wednesday in September and see something that nobody who has ever watched baseball has seen before. That's it. So a couple other highlights from the game. Austin Riley has his fourth consecutive game with an extra base hit, chipping in with a double. You had a rough start from Robbie Erlin, but the the bullpen comes in and allows zero earned runs from Darren O'Day, Tyler Matzik, Shane Green, Chris Martin, and Mark Melanson. Uh, so you get so it was a it was a it was a close game. You brought in your horses and they got the job done. It's good to see that is the bullpen that that we have built, paid for, and it is it is. Paying dividends right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what was it? Four runs from Robbie Erlin? Yep. You know, and he got yanked much earlier than we obviously we wanted to. But, you know, bullpen kept us in the game that night and the offense did its thing. 
Absolutely. Thursday, we have a scheduled day off before returning home for a four-game set with the Washington Nationals. Game one goes very well for the Braves. Braves win 7-1. Ronald Acuna returns to the lineup, hitting two home runs, including one to lead off the game, tying him with Felipe Alou for most leadoff homers in Atlanta Braves history. Dansby Swanson also hits a home run. Marcelo Zuna and Adam Duvall each hit a double. Tommy Malone comes back and pitches four innings, allowing six hits, only one earned run, and three strikeouts. And guys, I think this is the Tommy Malone that we can expect. It, yeah. it's, it's it's nothing that's going to jump off the page at you. It, it's it's nothing that you're going to say this guy is is uh, a bona fide ace, but he's a solid pitcher, and that is incredibly valuable to us. So well, I, and, and 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 I will say too though that that one run could have very well been three runs if not for Adam Duvall's defense in left field. Exactly right. Uh, after Malone exits, O'Day, Shane Green, and A.J. Minter come in and shut it down. A.J. Minter has been looking like an absolute stud out of the pen. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a great resurgence. Uh, I met A.J. at Chopfest la- this past year and, and took a picture with him. So if you want to turn your life around, uh, meet me and take a picture. I'm, I'm trying, Cam. I'm, I'm going to get up to North Carolina eventually. Hey. <laughs> so that was game one of the doubleheader. Game two did not go quite as well. Nationals win 10 to 9. Ronald Acuna hits another home run. Uh, also, Travis Darnode, Austin Riley hit home runs. The story out of this game, I do not care that we lost. I do not care about what happened in the late innings. Freddie Freeman hits his first career grand slam. Finally! Finally, Freddie Freeman is on the board with a four-run shot. Well, you know, for years it's always been kind of the joke of like, well, it's never going to happen. Because time and time again, you know, we would see him come up with bases loaded. And, you know, more often than not, it'd be a base hit. But, you know, he'd either hit into a double play or, you know, get out or something like that. And so it it became almost a meme with the Braves that, you know, Freddie Freeman isn't going to do it. But, man, oh, man, did he come up and – at the right time to tie the game up with a uh, a grand slam. Yeah, I mean it was it was a running joke online when Freddie Freeman would come to the plate with the bases loaded. You just knew that that nothing that he wasn't going to hit a home run. It just wasn't going to happen because we had gone ten years of watching Freddie Freeman without seeing a single grand slam, and then we finally saw one on Friday night. The game was pretty ugly. Oscar Inoa got shelled in his start for for six earned runs. A couple of of small highlights. Patrick Weigel finally makes his major league debut. Uh, unfortunately, it was in a in a one-run game. Braves were only down by one. He gives up two in his outing. It obviously was not the outing that anyone was hoping for for him, but you have to look big picture here. Patrick Weigel is a guy that that was highly regarded, went down with Tommy John's <clears throat> surgery during his his development in the minors, had to work his way back from that, and is now playing in games uh, at the major league level. So so if that doesn't make you feel good, I think you need to check your pulse. Yeah, I mean, it, we'll, we'll get in. We'll get into the decision making a little bit. More. Yeah. And, and, and I, honestly, I, I'm I'm more. Yes, there are questions to be asked about uh, why he was in the game. And, and we'll discuss that later. But I am more happy to see him finally throw pitches in the major leagues than I am angry at the situation he was put in. 
Oh no, no. I I, I think that's completely fair. Um, you know, in a, in a perfect world, he would have come in in the first game, but you know, at this point, it's Sunday night. It's played out the way it has, so we can only question it so much. And I don't think there's really anything that we can say that hasn't already been said or questioned of the decision making in Friday night and Saturday night. Absolutely. Um, one other highlight from the game. We did get to see Charlie Culberson come in and throw two pitches in a major league baseball game. Yeah. And those two pitches got Trey Turner, the bane of the Braves existence out. So, so three cheers for to Charlie Culberson for continuing to lower his career ERA. What others can rarely do, Charlie does on two pitches. It's it's unbelievable. Like Max Fried can hardly get the guy out, but but hey, here's Charlie Culberson. He's got it. There you go. All right. So from the doubleheader, we move to Saturday. It was a rough one, guys. Nationals ten, Braves <clears throat> four. We did get to see Duvall hit a home run. Darnold hit a home run. Ronald Acuna leads off the game with a home run again. Now in sole possession of the Braves record for most leadoff home runs of all time. So that's that's fun to see uh, for uh, the let, first. Let, another another quick note on that, just to put that whole situation into perspective. So the all time record for leadoff homers is 81 held by Ricky Henderson. Right. OK, correct. So Ronald Acuna has now been playing, let's just say, two and a half seasons. And the kid is already at. 18 leadoff homers, okay? So just to, you know, call apples to apples, let's just say he's a quarter of the way there in two and a half seasons. Also, at this point, with the amount of games that Ronald has played versus how many Ricky had played to that same point, Ricky Henderson only had three leadoff homers at this point in his career. Let me let me throw this number at you. I went and calculated this out the other night, Cam. Okay, so okay. What'd you Ricky got? Henderson played in 3,081 Major League Baseball games to have his record. Okay. If Ronald Acuna plays in 3,081 Major League Baseball games and he's batting leadoff, he is on pace to hit 189 leadoff home runs. So, 108, like, more than double. <laughs> So so what Ricky Henderson is to the Steels record, Ronald Acuna is on pace to become for the leadoff home runs record. <clears throat> Let me ask this, and, and not that it would necessarily happen this season, but do you think at if at any point in, in the future, in the, in the next few years, do we see Ronald get intentionally walked to start the game? <laughs> that that he so. that at, at that I, point I in the season celebrate if we get to that point that at that point in the season he is just on such a tear that they would I'm rather surprised we haven't already seen that to be quite honest with you well i mean we, we've seen pitchers take matters into their own hands with ronald coming up first that's true not, not that we have to see that guy this week oh, yep. anyway. well back back to the saturday game uh couple unfortunate spots here. We lose a Max Freed start for the first time all year. Max goes five innings pitched, allowing five hits, three earned runs, three walks, and four strikeouts, followed up by a rough outing from Tyler Matzik that essentially sealed the loss. So rough rough day at the, at the office for the Braves on Saturday, losing 10-4. to four. But we go into Sunday with a chance at redemption and splitting the series with the Nationals. 
And the Braves do just that, winning 10-3. Freddie Freeman hits another grand slam. (laughs) He went over 10 years in Major League Baseball without hitting a single grand slam. And in the course of three games, hits two of them. Yeah. I, I, I think he's figured out that that's actually pretty fun to hit Grand Slam. I think so he, he just, liked it. He he seemed like he liked the first one and, and hadn't gotten enough. So so hopefully he's just going to become a very prolific Grand Slam hitter now. Uh, it was it was pretty remarkable. Like I was I was stunned when he hit his first one, even though at some point I knew it would happen. I mean he's too good of a player to never hit a, hit a Grand Slam. But then when he did it again today, I I, I was. I didn't know what to say. I, I was completely blown away. He is now only uh, only 23 grand slams away from uh, tying Alex Rodriguez for the all-time record. Stop saying his name. Okay. He's now <laughs> 23 grand slams away from tying A-Rod for the all-time record. That I hate you so much. <coughs> I didn't so say Freddie, his name. Can we talk about Braves baseball? Freddie Freeman hits his second career Grand Slam in the, in the Sunday game with the Nationals. Braves baseball is right around the corner, y'all. Ready God. to run, ready to play. So let the boys and I'm about to give away. Stretch Armstrong, so I could punch you in North Carolina from Georgia. <laughs> oh, Brandon. Up on their feet can't get any better than the boys from us. They got rid of that song this year. I actually don't know what you're talking about. Well, us avid radio listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. Thank you very much. Okay. <clears throat> you guys enjoy that reference. Yeah. Also on Sunday, Marcelo Zuna hit his 13th home run of the season, putting him within spitting distance of the major league lead. The The real story of the game, to me, was Josh Tomlin's outing as the starting pitcher. Hell yes! Six innings pitched. Three hits, one earned run, not a single walk from That's, Josh Tomlin, a guy who just a couple of weeks ago was a reliever. Yeah, I mean, those are the kind of guys that you almost want and that you really want in the back end of your rotation. Go out there, throw strikes, yep. you know, just let the ball be put in play, especially with as good of a defense as the Braves are behind him. You know, go out there, throw strikes. Don't give them the base. So I'm going to I'm going to preface this by saying we don't know if we can get this consistently out of Josh Tomlin, but but let's have a little fun and assume that we can. Let's see what our rotation is going to look like. So we got Freed and Anderson at the top just today after the Braves game. They showed live shots from the truest park field of Cole Hamels throwing live BP to Ozzie Albies, who was batting righty. So lots of exciting stuff there. But back to the rotation, you go Freed, you go Anderson, then you have Hamels who can come in and fill that three spot, a guy who I would be happy to see starting for the Braves in the playoffs. Then you go Malone and Tomlin. And all of a sudden, after the season that we've had so far, you could potentially be talking about a very solid five-man pitching rotation for the Braves. If I, told the... you, if I told you that two weeks ago, you told me I was absolutely insane. Keep him in the ballgame. That's the name of the game here. 
Absolutely. So, so a couple of unfortunate things that we do need to get to. So we have to talk about some some questionable in-game decision making. You, you will be hard pressed to find two people who are going to defend Brian Snicker as as vehemently as as Cam and I are and and do not take the following criticism as as a rebuke of of Brian Snicker. Uh, I I love Snicker as the manager of the Braves, and I want Snicker to continue to be the manager of the Braves. But he made a couple of decisions this week that 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 are hard to look at and not question. So in the Friday game, the early game, <clears throat> Braves were up seven to one, and Snicker chooses to bring in Darren O'Day, Shane Green, and AJ Minter to close that game out after Tommy Malone got pulled. So at the time, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. The Nationals weren't weren't hitting so well. One, one could have assumed that that would continue into the second game. It did not. So now you've wasted those three very, very good relievers. And in the second game, you are down by only one run as a team that makes habit of scoring runs late in games. And you bring in Patrick Weigel in his major league debut in a one-run game. Not really the best situation. You follow up Patrick Weigel with with a position player. I, I I can't I can't I can't come up with a good reason for that. I, I just I, I simply can't. I I don't think there is one. Um, I think the best. The best thing I can chalk it up to, and you know, and and you see it happen to coaches, you see it happen to athletes all the time. I think Snicker just got galaxy brain and just had a complete and total brain fart on how to handle that situation. Um, I think the hardest part about all of that is that there's still a, a an entire dugout worth of coaches, you know, Kranitz especially helping him call the shots on this and that's not vetted any better somehow. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot of defense for Friday night or, or for Saturday night for that, for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it I mean, you, you can't blame too much of Saturday on him because uh, Max only goes five innings, uh, <clears throat> which is one of his shorter starts all year. You bring in Tyler Matzik who had been very solid up till that point. Uh, and after Matzik was out, the, the game w- was pretty much sealed. So, so between Freed and Matzik giving up, uh, giving up a bunch of runs, it, the Braves were basically out of the game. But yeah, as far as Friday goes there, there's not, there's not much to be said in, in Snickers defense. Uh, all I'll say where I'll leave it is it does not matter what me, what Cam, what any Braves fan on Twitter has to say about Brian Snicker. What matters is what those players in the dugout think of him. And, and by all accounts, uh, they will they will run through brick walls. They will step in front of bullets for that man. And as long as that stays the case, then he's going to continue to get the best out of these guys, uh, despite occasional missteps. And, and I think that's... Hopefully, all we're going to be chalking up Friday too is just a just a misstep, a lapse in judgment, and and we'll go from there. Yeah, uh, we do have one other 
One other thing to talk about from the Braves week that that was a little bit alarming. Um, so during Max Fried's start with the Nationals on Saturday, uh, there was a, a pretty distinct drop off in Freed's fastball velocity when when he's pitching at his best uh we're, we're talking about a guy that that sits in the mid 90s on his fastball and that's a, that's a very important counterpoint to his incredible off-speed stuff uh to be able to throw that that nasty curveball that he's got and follow it up with a 95 mile an hour fastball is why Max Freed is who he is on Saturday, though, his fastball velocity was sitting at like 89 to 91. So not not so sharp of a drop off that you're convinced that he's injured, but certainly enough of a drop off to, to begin asking some questions. So so that's exactly what I'll do. Cam, does the drop in Max Freed's fastball velocity worry you? Um not as of this very moment right now when we're recording just because and I, and I said this before we started tonight that I felt like if there was something serious or a major cause for concern we would have heard something by now you know whether it be he's going in for testing or he's going to automatically get a day off or something like that I I almost just wonder if he's just tired at this point um you know, because he's gone fairly deep in all of his. I mean, Saturday was the shortest outing I think he's had all year. So he's gone fairly deep in all eight outings now of the season. I, I, I don't know. And and I mean, and, and maybe it's a little bit alarmist of me to even bring it up because because ultimately this is a guy that's still easily top five in the National League in, in Cy Young voting if that voting happened today. Um, but. It's it's a concern. You, you get very sensitive when it's your your ace and, and Max Freed is our ace right now. And without Max Freed, we're right back in a very scary position with our, our starting lineup. So so basically any deviation from the norm is, is going to going to going to raise some flags. So we're going to end this segment with the good of the week. The good of the week is that the Braves played eight games since we last recorded an episode. In those eight games, the Braves went six and two. Pretty good. Pretty good. Unfortunately, the Philadelphia Phillies uh, are the hottest team in baseball. Uh, they they yeah. are winning games at a very impressive clip, and they are gaining ground on the Braves at one point this week, only being two games behind the Braves for first place in the NL East. Luckily, today, the Braves win and the Phillies lose. So at 24 and 36, the Braves hold on to first place with a three game lead going into next week's play. And uh, the Braves are also there are only two teams in the National League East right now with a positive run differential. The Braves currently have a plus 41 and the New York Mets have a plus one after their 14 to three or whatever thumping. (laughs) <laughs> of the Phillies today. Everyone else has a negative run differential, including the Phillies at negative three. That's crazy. Yeah. And and honestly, if you look at the, the NL East, and we'll talk about this more in scenes from around the league, but uh, the Phillies aren't the only team that's, that are, that is within striking distance of the Atlanta Braves. Oh my uh, and, God. The Dodgers run differential right now. Oh, it's insane. It's, it's out of hand. Plus 99. 
And with that said, we will move ahead to scenes from around the league. Let's do it. I didn't ask you to say it that time. And now the fellas take a look at scenes from around the league. All right. It's been a fun week in Major League Baseball this week. Let's take a quick look at the standings. In the American League East, we have the Tampa Bay Rays on top of the division with a 28-13 and record. The second best record in all of Major League Baseball and the best record in the American League. They have a five and a half game cushion on the second place Toronto Blue Jays. That's right. I've named the first and second place teams in the AL East and I have not mentioned the Yankees. The Yankees are in third place right now. Six and a half games out of first with a 21 and 19 record. Only two games. Ahead of the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, uh, the East is weird <laughs> in both leagues. I, I don't I don't understand. Like, the, why are the Orioles continuing to win games? Well, hopefully we put an end to that before too long. <clears throat> well, we essentially put an end to the Boston Red Sox. They are 14 and a half games out of first place and the cellar dwellers of the American League East. Oh, boy. Moving into the Central, the White Sox are hanging on by a thread to first place with a 26-15 and 15 record, a half game up over the second place Cleveland Indians at 25-15. and 15. Once again, my pick to win the division is in third place. Uh, the Minnesota Twins have a 25-17 and 17 record, a game and a half out of first place, and a full game out of a playoff spot. Uh, the Detroit Tigers, much like the Baltimore Orioles, are only two games below 500 at 18 and 20, six and a half games out of first place. So if things fall right for the Tigers, they still have a chance at a playoff spot. And much like the Red Sox, the Royals are pretty much out of it at this point. Yeah, which to be expected. That part was expected. The rest, not not so much. Uh, Moving into the American League West, the Oakland Athletics are holding on to first place at 23 and 14, three and a half games up on the Houston Astros, who are sitting at 21 and 19. The Seattle Mariners are 18 and 22, six and a half games out of first place, followed by the Angels and the bottom feeding Texas Rangers, 11 games back. Moving into the National League in the West, we have the LA Dodgers with the best record in Major League Baseball at 30 and 11. They have opened up a five and a half game lead on the second place San Diego Padres, who are still in very good shape for a playoff spot at 25 and 17. Basically, everybody else in the division is out of it at this point, with the Giants in third place at 10 games back, tied with the Rockies and Arizona 15 games back in fifth place. Boy, the uh, the Rockies sure did fall off a cliff, didn't they? I'm 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 glad we didn't drink any of that Kool-Aid, Cam. Yeah, yeah, that 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 Kool-Aid has expired, sir. Uh, enjoyed enjoyed the excitement out of Denver uh, early in the season because uh, they can they, Kool-Aid go bad. I don't know. Was Kool-Aid ever good? I mean, well, <laughs> fair question, I suppose. <laughs> it's it's just it's water with sugar and color. That's that's it. All right, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> oh, some of that purple stuff <laughs> moving into the nl central the uh the race has tightened up a little bit the chicago cubs are leading at 23 and 17 the cardinals are above 500 now at 16 and 15 two and a half games back 
The Brewers in third place at 18 and 21, four and a half games out of first place. And the Reds still within striking distance at 18 and 23, five and a half games out of first. Well, as we record that, record this too, uh, the Cardinals currently have a six to three lead over the Cubs in the top of the sixth. So a, a tight race gets even tighter, it seems. Yeah, think, things are tightening up as as St. Louis starts to make up a lot of those games that they missed. Yeah. And wrapping it up with the National League East, the Braves, as we mentioned, are on top with a three-game lead over the Philadelphia Phillies, who are sitting at 19 and 17. The Miami Marlins are just a hair under 500 at 17 and 18, four and a half games out of first place. The New York Mets still have a puncher's chance at 19 and 22, five and a half games out of first. And the Nationals have uh, a worse record than all but two teams in baseball at 14 and 25, nine and a half games out of first place. Cool. Yeah, not not, well, yeah. not exactly the season you, you expect from a, a reigning World Series champion. No, not quite, but uh, they are missing a lot of pieces that contributed to that World Series team last year, and then... Quite a few pieces that are still there aren't exactly contributing in the way that they did last season. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, Trey Turner and Juan Soto are still fantastic players, but but it can't be understated. It, it can't be overstated. I apologize. Uh, uh, the impact that Anthony Rendon had on that lineup completely changed it. Yeah, it it it, it did. Um, you know, in in a season where at the end last year a lot went right for the nationals um and and all props i don't mean that as a slight to them but a lot went right for the nationals at the end of last year and so far this season a lot has gone wrong yeah but i mean hey put yourself in the shoes of a nationals fan i'd take it yeah oh yeah i mean i I would too don't get me wrong I, i absolutely would so a couple of brief notes from around major league baseball this week, Mike Trout hit his 300th career home run, overtaking Tim Salmon for the all-time lead in the Angels organization. So it's a it's a good week to uh, to have a fish as your last name. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's certainly one uh, way to put it. Elsewhere, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies have have lost a couple of players who have contributed this year. Jay Bruce and Roman Quinn have both been placed on the IL. Hey, speaking of fish, I wonder what Sid Bream's up to. <laughs> was was Mike Carp a player, or am I making that up? Oh God. Um, I feel like he was a player. He was. Yes. Yes. Count Mike Carp for the win. Okay, I'm just going to throw my Google history all off. Baseball players named, named after fish. Well, they're not named after fish. They just happen to have fish names. Uh, Brian Bass. All right. Dory Dean. <laughs> uh, Harry Ells. Neil Finn. George Haddock. Art Herring, Chris Paddock of of the San Diego Padres. Paddock is not a fish. It's not spelled like the fish, but Paddock is definitely a fish. A paddock is a small field or enclosure where horses are kept or exercised. Hold on, hold on. That's Pollock. 
AJ Pollock of the, of the uh, LA Dodgers. Oh, God. And Jess Pike. <laughs> Lest we forget one of the most famous fish named uh, baseball players. Catfish Hunter. Oh, of course. From good old North Carolina. Oh, yeah. With with an all-time mustache. Oh, for sure. For sure. That, that dude that dude was a unit, too. Looking at you, Darren O'Day. Still my gimmick, man. I'm stealing and, your brand. My brand! And, well, and, and two, I've already been shot down this week by Darren O'Day himself. No, you haven't. When did Wait, I, just, how did I miss that? You didn't see that? What? 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 No, I didn't see that. I I tagged Aaron O'Day in a tweet and I asked him, is there any chance that we see the mustache come back this year? And he replied back to me and said he likes the enthusiasm, but he's going to keep the, pu- the push broom in the closet for now. Oh, how did I can't believe I missed that. There he is. Oh, man. How'd you miss uh, it? Sad day, but I'm glad he replied to you. That's fun. Yeah, he finally replied to me after me calling him out for the past two months about him growing his mustache back out. Anyway, I'm weird. Well, t- well today I uh, I tagged Grant Dayton and told him that I wanted to go fishing with him so I could post a picture and dunk on Josh Brown and Tyler Knight, who went pitch- who went fishing together today. Yeah, what the heck? Yeah, uh, and it was right down the road from me. It was just a noon, and it was a 30, 40-minute drive from where I live. They could have invited me, but no. No room on the dinghy for old rakes. Stop playing with your dinghy. <laughs> I took a drink of beer and almost spit it all over the microphone. Oh, man, that would have been quality <laughs> podcasting. I wish it would have happened. Oh, lordy. Uh, so get to the last couple of points we have for this week. Today, Sunday, the 6th, marks the anniversary of Cal Ripken passing Iron Horse Lou Gehrig in the all-time consecutive games played record. Yeah, talked about that last week for our segment, but here we are on the day, which is cool. 25 years exactly. Yep, and then if you watched any baseball today, it was all over the place, and it's it's a, always a fun thing to celebrate. It is. I mean, it, I I think when when you really just sit down and think about that record and what it took to get to that point, it, it it's incredible. It, it really is. There's just no other way to describe it. The fact that the man was a consistent enough to be on a major league roster for that long every single day that B, he remained healthy enough to be able to do it, you know, because and, and baseball is not always about, you know, oh, well, you know, I I did something I shouldn't have. I pulled something in my shoulder. I'm going to take a day or two off. You know, we've seen guys get hit by pitches and, you know, be knocked out of a game or two, you know, because they took one on the elbow or something like the amount of good fortune and good luck in addition to the just the pure you know athleticism and skill that Cal Ripken Jr. had to achieve that, it, it, it's incredible. Absolutely, and and saw something interesting online today. There was a a flow chart made of since uh, Cal Ripken streak ended, uh, or, or sorry, since Cal Ripken retired, everybody that has held the active consecutive game streak record and there was no one who was even sniffing 1000 games in the entire period of time from cal ripken retiring to present day 
it's 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 truly remarkable and and something something we'll never see even approached again no um let's see i think at one point it was whit merrifield who had like 88 games or something no it, 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 it 247 but we're we're still talking about like over a thousand more games. If if Whit Merrifield had played ten times the number of consecutive games that he had played, he still would have been significantly short of Cal Ripken's record. Yeah, I mean it's it's insane. And and keep in mind like the breaking the record breaking number was twenty one thirty one, but then Cal still played every single day until into nineteen ninety eight. My goodness. Let's see what his final number was 2,632. The streak itself lasted from May 30th, 1982 to September 19th, 1998. <whistles> I, it, it, it's unreal. It really is. I, I think you, I mean, we've said it before. You, you put that in the same tier as other unbreakable records absolutely and the last point we have to hit for news for the week unfortunately is a sad one we we lost two of the uh, of the game's greats this week um ju- just today lou brock of of the st louis cardinals ha- passed away uh and earlier in the week one of the greatest pitchers of all time tom siever from the new york mets passed away so it, it was it was a somber week, uh, given those two, uh, th- those two passing away, and and you just you hate to see legends like that leave. Yeah, well, especially in in Tom Seaver's case, um, you know, Lou Brock just passed away this evening at the age of 81. So, you know, no, we we don't know yet any details on his passing. You hope something like that is probably just natural causes with old age, and you know that's what you hope for at least, but. You know, Tom Seaver, of course, is a little bit of a sadder thing in knowing that, it, I think, what was it, two years ago now, um, he was he was diagnosed with a form of dementia. And, oh, yeah. You know, just sad to see, but I, I, I never thought about it until this week when, when the tributes for Tom Seaver started coming out. He had quite possibly the best nickname for a pitcher ever. I'm terrific. Oh, yeah. Well, so... Well, not 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 even that one. The one I like better is the franchise. <laughs> like, no, I, seriously, think you about just it. Like, like that because that was John Cena's nickname. What? No, it's, John Cena was the prototype. It's literally in his theme song, the franchise. Well, we're not talking about Shane Douglas, that's for sure. <laughs> Shout out to the three people that understood that reference. Tom, the whole effing show, Seaver. <laughs> Doctor of Thugonomics, Tom Seaver. God, what, th- th- we shouldn't be having this kind of fun with Tom Seaver's name yet. Give, we shouldn't. Uh, I, I, I guess let, one, one way to close it out, um, the Mets did pay a really neat tribute to Tom Seaver. Uh, you know, if you've ever seen clips of Tom Pitch, he was such a low-angled type pitcher that really dug down in his release that oftentimes his, uh, I believe it was his right knee, would get dirty onto the pitcher's mound. That's how low he would get. Goodness gracious. 
that his knee would literally drag the ground. And so before the game, uh, the day after um, Tom Seaver passed away, the, all of the Mets players went out to the field and, and got dirt on their um, pant leg. Um, oh, I didn't know about that. That's really- yeah, re- really just kind of a really just cool little tribute. I mean, I think it's easy to say the greatest Met ever. Um, I don't think there's much of an argument there for that. So, you know, the the Mets lost their franchise player um, in his 70s, but still arguably too early. So uh, baseball lost a good one. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for the news for the week from around Major League Baseball. What do you say we look back at, at some years past? Let's do it. All right, we're going to jump into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is September 7th through the 13th. Our first fact comes to us from September 7th, 1973. To prevent an injury, the second game of the Mets Expos doubleheader at Jerry Park is delayed for 11 minutes. The setting sun over the rim of the Montreal ballpark makes it impossible for the first baseman to see the ball being thrown from certain positions in the field. Oh, wow. A sun delay. Interesting. Yeah. How very Washington Nationals of them. See, they were they were doing it before the Nationals were even even a thought at that point. Right, and no, no one talks about that. Yeah, yeah, really. Everybody brings up the rain delay, but what about that sun delay, by God? All right. Our next fact comes to us from September 9th, 2008. Removed from the starting lineup when his cab is stuck in traffic en route to Fenway Park, Dan Johnson, called up today by the AAA Minor League Durham Bulls, pinch hits in the ninth inning with the Tampa Bay Rays trailing 4-3. to three and belts a game-tying home run off of closer Jonathan Papelbon. The homer, which comes in his first at-bat with the team and is his first pinch hit in 16 major league attempts, is believed to be the turning point of Tampa Bay's season, as the timely round-tripper helps to snap a four-game losing streak and prevents the Red Sox from taking over first place. Wow. When, when, When did he actually end up arriving? Uh, I didn't have that note, but he was late enough that he was not able to start, but he was in time enough to pinch hit in the ninth inning. Kind of a kind of a Pascal Perez sort of sort of deal there. Uh, yeah, somewhat. <laughs> Except this this wasn't necessarily Dan Johnson's fault. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, moving on. Our next fact comes to us from September tenth, eighteen eighty one. At Haymakers Grounds, future Hall of Fame first baseman Roger Connor becomes the first recorded major leaguer to hit a grand slam, giving the Troy Trojans a 7-4 walk-off victory over the Worcester Ruby Legs. The 23 Worcester Ruby Legs. Yeah, up-and-coming team Worcester Ruby Legs. Whatever happened to team names like that? I don't know, man. Uh, The 23-year-old Waterbury, Connecticut native Sayonara Slam, a home run in which wins the game when a team is down by three runs in the bottom for a final inning, comes with two outs in the game. So how about that? In a a month, we've seen nothing but Grand Slams. A neat little Grand Slam fact there. Very cool. Yeah, Roger Connor doing doing big stuff against the uh, dastardly Worcester Ruby Licks. 
Had he been playing for 10 freaking years before it happened, though? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so now you got me curious. Uh, the Worcester Ruby Legs, funny enough, is a better name than what one of their alternate names were. Uh-oh. Oh, At no. one point, they were also known as the Worcester Brown Stockings, which, you know... For whatever reason, in the 1800s, people were fascinated with naming their teams after the color of their socks. Or, less interesting, they were also at one point known as the Worcester Warchesters. What? They were known as the Worcester Warchesters. Oh, come, that's just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Today we have the... Well, actually, is that any lazier than the Philadelphia Phillies? No, that's actually the same ballpark. It's, it's, it's the same thing. We're talking about the same thing. Worcester, Worcesters. Ah, goodness gracious. The Phillies of their time. The Troy Trojans are in no way affiliated with Troy University, just so we can... Get that clear in, in the open. They are, and the university is also the Trojans, correct? I uh, believe so, yes. I, yeah, I think so. There's yes, it is. Sunbelt team, I think. Actually, it turns out the Troy Trojans, there is actually a minor league team now. Oh, no they're based, They are based in Troy, New York. Huh, okay. <clears throat> actually, no, they are not around anymore. That is, that is in fact, a very old team. The last... Last time they were around was 1916. I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> However, at one point, actually, I'll at clip two, that out. No one will ever know the difference. Okay, at two points though, the Troy Trojans switched their name to something a little weirder, and that is, okay, so in 1894, and then from 1900 to 1901, for whatever reason, they changed their name to the Troy. Washerwomen. Um, my my brain just shut down. I don't even know what to say to that. I don't either. Baseball teams were weird back in the day. Anyway, yeah. I guess I guess that's what happens when you think moonshine is medicine. Oh. Moving on. <laughs> Our final fact comes to us from September thirteenth, two thousand and five. During the six-run second-inning uprising by San Diego, each Dodger outfielder commits an error. The fielding of Ricky Leday, Jose Cruz Jr., and Jason Wirth contribute to the 6-4 to loss to the first-place Padres. I completely forgot that Jason Wirth was a Dodger at one point. Wasn't he more clean-cut at that point, too? Was this was this like pre-nationals? What what year did you say this was? 2005. So yeah, it was it was pre-nationals. Interesting. Okay. Holy cow, he is a completely looking different looking guy whenever he's with the Dodgers too. Well, yeah, I imagine so. Weird stuff. Huh. Anyway, that has been uh, this week in baseball history. Do with that useless knowledge what you will. All right, well, we're going to take a very quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back to preview the week ahead. And we've got a very interesting vo voicemail segment for you guys, so make sure to stick around. We'll talk to you in just a minute. 
Hey, do you or someone you love have a beard that could use a little TLC? Well, we've got some good news for you. We here at the Chatting Average Podcast have hooked up with an ambassador for a brand for just about any man, The Beard Struggle. These guys are celebrating all that is man by providing some of the best products around to get your beard ready for the big leagues. They've got everything from beard oils to balms to combs and tons of other great stuff that is perfect for getting your facial hair looking great. Check them out today at thebeardstruggle.com and use promo code AVERAGE15, that's AVERAGE15, to take 15% off of your first order, compliments of the Chatting Average podcast. If you or someone you know has a small business, you need to check out the creators of ChattingAveragePodcast.com, Goat Web Design. These guys have everything you need to get your small business up and running with an awesome online presence. They'll create your mobile and desktop-friendly website quickly and affordably with responsive service, and most importantly, it'll look amazing. Check them out on Twitter, at Goat Web Designs, on Instagram, at Goat Web Design, or on the internet at GoatWebDesigns.com, and tell them the guys from Chatting Average sent you. And now the boys preview the week ahead. All right, we've got an important week ahead, Braves fans. We have the Philadelphia Phillies hot on our heels for the NL East lead, and we need to we need to keep the cushion that we have. And that's going to start with a three-game series tomorrow, uh, starting tomorrow on Monday with the Miami Marlins. Uh, we have a 1-10 Monday game against the Marlins with Ian Anderson on the mound against Jose Urania. Jose Urena, because he doesn't deserve his uh, tilde. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I will <clears throat> remove it. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, we're still in Miami, and we have a TBD starting against a guy who looks really, really good for the Marlins, Sixto Sanchez. It'll be the first time the Braves have had a chance to see him, but goodness gracious, did this guy look good in his first couple of outings. Uh, I cannot say that I'm thrilled about uh, having the opportunity to face that guy. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be fun. Um, you know, Sixto was the, the pretty much centerpiece in the JT Realmuto trade coming from the Philadelphia side. So, uh, I'm gosh, he's looked phenomenal so far. I, I I'm really looking forward to that game, especially when we when Ronald Acuna gets his first crack at him because I you know. To me, if, if Miami latches onto him, and I think I've said it before, I think Sixto Sanchez is kind of the star that that young Miami team is looking for. I he, think he, that. I mean, it's it's early to say this, but he's he's a guy that they need to ultimately be their ace, and and, yeah. and look look and, for him in the next year or two to to really lead that rotation. And I, I think he very well could be. And so now now you've got kind of a fun rivalry that could be developed there between, you know, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, and, and Sixto Sanchez, you know, these these young Latin American stars in baseball. Absolutely. And we wrap up the series with Miami on Wednesday with, with Tommy Malone on the hill for the Braves against uh, another pitcher who's having a very good year for the Marlins, Pablo Lopez. Uh, guy's only three and three, but he has a 3.05 ERA with 38 strikeouts, and uh, and and he's he's certainly no slouch. So uh, while we are playing the Marlins, and on paper we should be able to take two of three, if not sweep, it's it's going to be more difficult than advertised because we're facing three very solid pitchers. Yeah, yeah, we are, and uh, you know, I think 
the first start in Anderson, you know, you, you really hope for good things out of him. But again, he's still a very young pitcher and very inexperienced at this level. You know, two good starts does not an ace make. So, you you know, you hope that he can still ride that wave of momentum. And then having a TBD notched him for Tuesday, although ESPN disputes that it's Erland, you know, we'll definitely see what comes out of that. And then with Malone on Wednesday, I, I think it's just – for us on our side, I think it's question marks across the board for how starters might look in that Miami series. But uh, again, a sweep would be phenomenal, as it always would. At this point, I think you you, you just you look to to take two out of three from the series, and if you happen to get a sweep, awesome. But uh, two two out of three, I think, needs to be the goal here. Uh, from Miami, or from actually Miami is visiting Atlanta for that series. From Atlanta, we travel up to Washington for a four-game set with the Nationals, who we just got done done with. Uh, the Thursday game is a 6:05 start, scheduled to be Max Freed on the mound for the Braves against Austin Both of the Washington Nationals. In theory, that should be a, a game that the Braves will win, but you know, the last time Freed started, it was against the Nationals, and it didn't go so well. So, so we got to cross our fingers on that one. On Friday the 11th, we're still in Washington with a 6:05 start game on FS1. We have Josh Tomlin taking the hill for the Braves against Eric Fetty for the Washington Nationals. Uh, and then, and, and we <sighs> we lost a game that we shouldn't have lost to uh, to to the Nationals and Eric Fetty last time around. So we got to get a little bit of redemption and take that one from them this time. Saturday the 12th, yet another 6.05 start with Ian Anderson back on the mound to face off with Patrick Corbin, uh, a guy who we had great success against today. Yeah. On, on Sunday the 13th, we wrap up the series with the Nationals with a – it's a week of odd start times for the Braves. We have three consecutive 6.05 games followed by a 12.35 Sunday start uh, with Robbie Erland tentatively penciled in to get the start – against Max Scherzer. The first time we'll be seeing Mad Max all season and and hopefully hopefully we have some we we get a solid start to go up against him because lord knows runs are going to be tough to come by against him. Yeah, well and 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 Scherzer definitely has not been himself this year, but he's always he has always been a guy that the Braves have played you know or ha- have had a tough outing against and you know, and in, in the past couple of years, we've found ways to beat him. But, you know, I think anytime you go against Max Scherzer, it's it, 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 it's a big game. You know, you got to got to be ready for that. Right. Right. You should you should never expect to get a ton of runs against Max Scherzer, which uh, which which makes it which makes it a little interesting to see who we're going to have filling that spot, because right now it's it's hard to envision Robbie Erland getting that start. Yeah, with with his outing and yeah, yeah, I, I I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, but for now, we're gonna move on to listen to some of your voicemails. Time to listen to your voicemails. All right, as always, friends, thank you for calling into the Chatting Average Hotline. As usual, if you have any questions or comments for us, or for next week, if you have any questions or comments for San Diego Padres fan Sam Near, you can send them to 678-242-9408. So without further ado, let's get straight into the voicemails for this week. The first one we have is from the Blind Donkey Runner. This is the Blind Donkey Runner. Hi, guys. How's it going? Um... Wanted to get your opinion on the trade deadline. 
Did we get enough? Did we boost our starting rotation enough? Or would you have liked to see Alex Anthopoulos do a little bit more? What did you think of the teams in our division? Did they boost their roster enough? Or did they not? That is the question. I really enjoyed today's episode. You guys have an awesome week. Let's go Ian Anderson. Let's beat the Red Sox. This is the Blind Donkey Runner. Out. All right, John. Thanks as always for the call. And uh, Cam, we'll we'll start with the first part. Uh, do you think the Braves did enough at the deadline? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think I think it's very. Let me let, let, let me take a step back on this. All right. It's it's a tough question to answer. It's without a, considering all angles. Well, there there's a, so there's a lot of layers to this. Okay. Um, I, I think in one way you look at it, there, there's been the reasoning of, well, we have enough pieces on the back burner that a huge move wasn't necessarily necessary and we can fill that slots. And that's all well and good. But I think until we see that in practice, there's going to be the tension there from the fan base about not doing anything. Absolutely. I agree with that. There's also the other argument of does adding one starter suddenly make the Braves that much more of a World Series threat in a in a in a in a funky, weird 60 game season? Since you posed that as a question, I'll 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 give you my opinion on that. Um, I, I think. You know, I don't think it has that big of effect on on the regular season. Uh, it, it it would certainly have a, a large effect on on the postseason uh, because you, you know you need you need you need three pitchers. Uh, basically, you can get by the entire postseason with three pitchers. If they're all on fire, then then you have a great shot to win the World Series. And uh, obviously, at this moment, we do not have three pitchers. Uh, that that you feel right. about starting in the postseason. So, um, so yes and no. It would have a it would have a huge effect come the postseason, but uh, I don't think it would have that big of an, an effect at all on the remainder of the regular season. Okay. I mean, there I I I don't. A lot of people have tried to make it really black and white. Of oh well, we should have traded for X guy. Like that would have been the X factor for this team, and I, I think it, it's definitely more convoluted than just that. Um, and, and the one thing that I, I keep kind of going back to and reminding myself is that for for all of the guys that, other than Clevenger, who did get moved, for all of the other guys that everybody suggested the Braves should have gone after, nobody else went after them either. Or right. I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say nobody went after. Them. I'm gonna say nobody nobody traded for them. Exactly, exactly. And and I think that's that's a that's kind of my point that I'm gonna go with as well is that you know it, it's not that it's not like everybody else out there went and made some huge move and and the Braves just kind of sat on their hands. Um, it. it like, yes, the Clevenger deal happened. And by all accounts, the Braves were in on that Clevenger deal. And by some reports, even leading 
in the in the Clevenger sweepstakes as as close to the deal being finalized with the Padres as like 12 hours before. It's just that, quite frankly, the Padres had a better system than we did, uh, a, a better minor league system, at least, and, and a bigger talent pool to to pull from to to sweeten the deal. Uh, the volume of guys that they sent to to Cleveland for Clevenger was, was massive. Um, and, and I I just don't see us putting together that many guys uh, to to be able to make that deal. So so I think I think especially they were with out how, there. especially with how thin and, and you can make the argument all day long about the value of the prospects that San Diego sent to Cleveland. But I think the thing to keep in mind too, is how barren the bottom section of the Braves minor league system actually is. Right. And, 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 you know, value is in the eye of the beholder. So, so maybe there was something that Cleveland scouts saw in these guys that they got from San Diego that, that the the rest of the league doesn't know about. It's distinctly possible. These guys are, are, are paid to do a job that most of us will never understand uh, in, in its entirety. And it, it also, I, I should mention, I feel like there are a lot of Braves fans out there who, who remember, you know, two or three years ago uh, when the Braves had, uh, Arguably the best farm system in all of baseball. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people still have that in their minds that we have this this upper echelon minor league system. And while our minor league system is not bad by any means, we're closer to the middle of the pack than we are to the top right now. Yep. Um, and and that's that that's in a way a good thing because that's showing you that a lot of your minor league talent you have either been able to successfully trade for somebody which which is evidenced by our our revamped bullpen or they've made it to the big leagues and they're now playing with the Braves we're talking about the Ronald Acuñas the Ozzie Albies the Dansby Swansons of the world the Ian Andersons these guys have now made the big league team they're not part of our minor league system anymore we don't have that great of a minor league system. It's it's okay. I don't hate our minor league system, but it's not what it was two or three years ago. No, it's not. Um, so, so the, the uh, other, so other the, part of this question was the rest of the division, right? Yeah. Well, I think – so you and I were just kind of chatting about this before we got to this segment. The winner of the division has got to be the Marlins, yeah, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The the Starling Marte pickup was brilliant. I, I, I really like that fit in Miami. Uh, I think that's that that's a piece that they were sorely lacking. And while it might not put them over the top this year, um, if, if they can hang on to him for a while while they're still kind of finishing up their rebuild, uh, which seems to be happening a lot quicker than a lot of us expected, uh, then he could play a, a big role in in helping to turn that franchise around and making them a real contender. Yeah, I think so. Uh, another kind of funny tidbit is Todd Frazier back with the Mets. Todd Frazier. Oh, I forgot about him. The Mets won the trade deadline, guys. They got Todd Frazier. The Todd father is back in New York. I can just hear Chris Berman saying his name. <laughs> Todd <laughs> Frazier. Frazier. Todd Frazier. Back, 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 back. 
Um, it it could potentially be argued that the the Phillies got uh, the the most valuable piece in the NL East and the trade deadline in in acquiring Brandon Workman from the the Red Sox. Uh, the Braves had some good luck against him in their series with the Phillies, but you know the 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 thing that the Phillies needed the most was bullpen help, and and Brandon Workman is a great piece to have in that bullpen. So so they did very well in in getting him, even though didn't help them so much in that Brave series. Uh, as the season progresses and as the Phillies pick up steam, which it seems that they're doing, you know, a trade like that could end up paying huge dividends. And at the end of the season, we could all be saying that the Phillies are the team that won the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's no, I don't think there's an immediate reaction to the other teams at this point. Just got to see how it plays out. Yep. And you know, uh, again, Nobody's going to be overwhelmed with the Tommy Malone deal for the Braves. Um, uh, everybody had had, you know, uh, they, they were they were looking to the stars and, and trying to trying to will Mike Clevenger or Lance Lynn or some big name pitcher to Atlanta. And and it just didn't happen. So, you, you know, you got to you got to go to battle with the troops that you got. And that's that's what we're going to do. And. Uh, hopefully the uh, the reinforcements that we expect to see pretty soon uh, come in and, and have a big impact. And, and it's possible that the Braves didn't need to make that trade. And uh, hopefully works out that way. That's it. So moving on from there, we have a, a message from first time caller. Uh, this is Wayne. Hey, this is Wayne at Braves Fan First on Twitter. Twitter. I just wanted to call you guys. I was thinking about the Jim Abbott thing that you were talking about on the last podcast where Kenny Lofton tried to bunt to break up the one-handed pitchers. No Dude's a gamer. Come on, man. That is the only unwritten rule you shouldn't break. Try to bunt to break up a no-hitter, especially for a one-handed pitcher. Come on, man. I love Jim Abbott. I've got his card in my uh little card collector thing at the house. Dude was a beast. I watched him play. Uh, anyway, love the show. You guys are great. Keep doing what you're doing. Talk to you later. I love it when people call the show and agree with me completely. Um, that's one of my favorite things. So if, if you agree with something I said, feel free to call and let me know. Um, play to win, homie. Cam was Cam would bunt on a one-armed, one-legged, one-eyed pitcher. Jim Abbott would be the first one to tell you he would not want anybody else to treat him differently. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That 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 was the thing that plagued him his entire life that made him so angry is when people would almost try to act sympathetic toward him. That is the last thing that guy ever wanted. So that yeah. being said, I would drop a bunt up the third baseline so quick it'd make your head spin. Yeah, and and I'd probably <laughs> spend a decade afterwards telling you what a douchebag you were for doing it. <clears throat> Got to win, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for the call, Wayne. Appreciate yeah, that. Thanks, uh, Wayne. Moving on from there, we uh we oh we've got a message from friend of the show, Mr. Jeff Donahue. Chatting average podcast. Alex and Cam, what's up, guys? This is Jeff Donahue. Just calling in. I'm sure this episode has been filled with all of the amazing things the Braves have done the last few days. Uh, 
definitely not a shortage of great things to talk about. So I'm going to ask a non-related sports question, although it could be based on the answer sports related. I'm curious to know if you had an opportunity to sit down with five people, dead or alive, and have a cocktail with and just talk about whatever you wanted to talk about, who would that be? Uh, my list would be uh, Fred Couples, the uh, golfer, Michael Jordan, Matthew McConaughey, uh, my favorite chef, uh, Mishama Bailey out of Savannah, huh. and John Huey, the former editor of the Wall Street Journal and also a native Atlantan. Uh, just be fun to sit down with those five people and over some bourbon or a cocktail and just talk about everything and every, all things and everything. Anyway, guys, hope y'all are doing well and look forward to listening to the show. Also, before I go, I wanted to take a moment and uh, just say how much I appreciate Joe Seppi. He's probably listening or <laughs> calling in right now with 14 three-minute voicemails. But uh, this show helped me find Joe Seppi, and I don't really follow many people that aren't Atlanta Braves fans, but uh, he's a great guy and uh, glad to know him. So anyway, just a Joe Seppi appreciation call. See y'all. Bye. <laughs> Every call should be a Joe Seppi appreciation call. Dang right. Hey, Joe Seppi and his wife celebrating, what was it, 20 years of marriage yes! this week? Congratulations. Yeah! Congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Seppi and 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 their their little Seppies. Uh, yeah. That is that is no small feat. And in in all honesty, congratulations to you guys. Yeah, props, guys. Um, so to to get to the the meat of Jeff's voicemail, um, I'm I'm gonna do something I like to do very often, and take a piece of what he said and completely rework it into my own question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so well, that's how we treat our listeners, by God. <laughs> It's no, it, it's at its core, it's it's essentially the same thing. It's just pared down a little bit to make it simpler for us because we're simple folks. Um, so the way I'm gonna pose this to you, Cam, okay. um, is we are uh, we we each get a golf foursome, uh, okay, and, and uh, one of the four will of course be ourselves, and then we could pick any three people throughout history, dead or alive, uh, to round it out. Uh, and as a little as a little bonus question, uh, you can play golf with that foursome at any course on the face of the planet. So what is your foursome and where are you playing? OK, um, so my foursome playing golf with me. Uh, first guy is going to be uh, dearly departed Jim Henson. Ooh, the creator of the Muppets and also Sesame Street. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, little known fact about myself: big Jim Henson guy. Uh, Jim Henson was an absolute genius and revolutionized uh, children's television and what it could be. And the reason that you have educational shows and uh, just all these creative like networks out there for children, Jim Henson was a big part of that, which is very cool and just super creative guy. Uh, second guy I'm going to pick, still with us, still out there kicking it, is, uh, one Mr. Hank Aaron. Um, oh, dadgummit, Cam. <laughs> so, uh, 
I would love nothing more than to just ride around a golf course in a cart with Hank Aaron and just hear his stories. Like, I'm not going to ask him any questions. I am not going to poker prod about anything I want him to talk about. I'm just going to say, Mr. Aaron, talk about whatever you would like. Absolutely. The, the man could talk about what he had for lunch that day, and I would not care because he is one of the most captivating baseball players you've ever heard and genuinely has some of the most incredible stories there are. Um, oh, for sure, yeah. You know, when you consider that this guy's career started not that long after the desegregation of baseball, um, it's it's neat just to hear about all the little eras that he played in and in a very long career and all the things that he saw and experienced and all the other players whose paths he crossed. Plus, not to mention, the man is second all-time in home runs. Right. right. <laughs> Literally the, one of the most formidable hitters, home run hitters, that the league has ever seen. Um, so, yeah, uh, Afternoon with Hank Aaron would be fun, of course. I think anybody who's a Braves fan or even just a baseball fan in general could uh, agree with that pick. And then my final pick, uh, America's Storyteller, the man in black, Johnny Cash. Oh, cool. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. So, so uh, huge Johnny Cash fan. Um, I think I think at this point I own just about every album he ever put out. Um, the cool thing about Johnny, and I'm I am in no means a musician by any standard, so you know, take this take this as you will. But the way I, it's always been explained to me is that. Johnny's songs from a composition standpoint are not advanced whatsoever. Like one way I think Chris Christopherson described it is that, you know, really when you break it down, every Johnny Cash song you hear pretty much follows the same rhythm of boom, chicka, boom. It sounds like a locomotive going down the tracks. Right. Right. But it's what Johnny was able to do with his songwriting. Um, You know, he was a master storyteller. Uh, he he captured the American experience where there are countless songs where you listen to it and you hear the way he describes things. You know, you hear him describe the weeping willow. And, you know, in your mind, especially for those who grew up in the South, that's relatable because you see that painting in your head. He was just a masterful storyteller. But when you read more and more about him outside of music. You know, and especially, you know, once he got himself cleaned up because he he battled drugs for a long time in his career. But once he really got himself cleaned up, you know, he was just he was very much kind of a down to earth guy who had a lot of the same worries that many of us do. You know, he was he was very concerned with his outlook on religion. You know, he he liked being outdoors. He liked being out in nature. He was very concerned about the national park system and making sure that those were being preserved properly. You know, the man loved growing a garden every year. You know, at the at his core, you know, America's songwriter was pretty much the epitome of the American man in a lot of ways. So Jim Henson, Hank Aaron, Johnny Cash, and we're going to go play at Pinehurst number two. Oh, man, that's oh one of the one of the best parts of that is you only have to drive a few minutes up the road to get to the course. That's right. I'll be at the gate in like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> man, I'll meet y'all is, there. That is, that is a great pick. And that sounds like a, like a hell of a lot of fun. Um, so uh, 
I've I, I've I've answered this question before, and the 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 answer changes every single time I answer it. Um, but the the first person I'm picking for any foursome that uh, I'm I'm ever gonna play in is uh, is my dad Dave Butler. Um, I, I can't I can't exclude him from any of it because his his presence would make the presence of the others uh, more special to me. Um, so so that's that is my first pick, my dad. Uh, my oh. second. Oh, <laughs> yeah, very, very nice, very nice. My my second pick. Uh, I I I reacted when you said Hank Aaron because I am absolutely picking Hank Aaron as well. Uh, and and I I I can't explain it any better than you explained it, but uh, I I just I want to hear literally anything that man has to say. Yeah. Um, and and the uh, to round out my foursome. Uh, I, I am, I, okay. So this is another athlete, but, but you know, I, I, I want some entertainment. I want, I want a wild card in the group. All right. Okay. So I want, I want Bill Walton. Ooh, okay. You (laughs) very different. You cannot tell me that playing a round of golf for four or five hours and being in a cart with Mr. Bill Walton wouldn't be the most interesting four hours of your entire life. <laughs> that man. Dude, now, now I wonder if, if Bill Walton and Hank Aaron have ever crossed paths. I, I, I hope so. Uh, I can't imagine what the conversation would be like. Uh, I imagine Hank Aaron would just be trying to get away from it as quickly as possible because Bill Walton is, is a certified crazy person. Um, oh yeah, for sure. For, like, for, hey, 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 Garen very much seems like the most down-to-earth, grounded kind of ab- guy. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, like the, those... the man, the man won a cash prize in a home run derby back in the mid '60s against Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle, and his immediate thought was, "I want to help my dad buy a grocery store with this money." Like that. That's the kind of guy Hank Aaron is. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, for, for those of you who might not be terribly familiar with the background of Bill Walton. So so people first learned the name Bill Walton when he was playing basketball for uh, UCLA. And this was during the heyday uh, of UCLA basketball when he was playing for uh, a man who's considered to be one of, if not the greatest coach in any sport of all time. And that's John Wooden. Uh, so so he has that life experience um, playing playing for a guy like that. Um, he, he went on to be a, a great player for several different franchises in, in the NBA. Um, he he now does commentary on a lot of uh, on a lot of college basketball games and apparent and, and occasionally he'll he'll pop up on NBA broadcasts. But uh, the, the part of the reason he's so interesting is because. Uh, during his UCLA days, uh, he was also uh, he was also a, a huge hippie. He was following around the Grateful Dead, and one could safely assume, based on uh, his general disposition these days, that that man ate more acid than just about any person following the Grateful Dead, if not the sum total of everyone following the Grateful Dead. Um, <laughs> so his, uh, yeah. his his mind just operates differently than the rest of us and and there's really no better way to explain it uh he is wildly entertaining uh if you're i i 
I suggest anyone who hasn't heard him do commentary on an obscure college basketball game figure out when he's going to be doing commentary on an obscure college basketball game and listen. And I, I promise you, you will be you, you will be on the edge of your seat the entire time just waiting to hear what comes out of this man's mouth next. Yeah, you, you, certainly, the, you certainly won't regret watching that game. <laughs> 90% of the time, he's not going to be talking about basketball. It's no. it's very, very interesting stuff. But yeah, that's that's my foursome. And um, and 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 we're we're flying to Scotland. We're going to play St. Andrews. Nice. Good yeah. Pick. Yeah. I mean, I, that's uh, that's a course I've always wanted to play. Uh, I mean, it's if, you know. There, it's always a toss-up for me for bucket list courses, whether it would be Augusta or St. Andrews. And and if you ask me again tomorrow, my answer could change completely. But today, right. today we're going to be in Scotland. Very cool. All right, so that was a fun one. We've got uh, we've got one more voicemail to get to this week. Um, I'm not sure if the transcript of the voicemail has this correct, so. Uh, I don't think we've heard from this caller before. Let's let's see what they've got. Uh, yes, uh, this is this is Mayor Lobster, uh, the mayor of Boston. It's One Mayor Lobster. Hey. This uh, Marcel Ozuna, I think his name is. Rhymes with tuna, you know, like that wicked tuna show up here. You guys know what I'm talking about. Anyway, this Marcel Ozuna guy. He hit that ball wicked fire against the side. And uh, needless to say, we don't really appreciate that. And then you got this other guy, Adam Duval, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> he hit another home run the next night. Three of them, actually. We didn't appreciate that either. Anyway, I thought you guys were supposed to be on our side. We're like cousins or something like that. The Braves used to be in Boston. Did you know that? Anyway, I really wish that you guys would have... Uh, not beat us up so bad when you were in Boston the other week. I guess we'll see you guys the last week's season. You guys take care. I don't even know how I found your show. Anyway, this is the mayor of Boston, Mayor Lobster. Take care. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, I tell you. Ladies... You just never know who might show up on the Chatting Average podcast. Ladies and gentlemen... Mayor Lobster. <laughs> Mayor Lobster. Oh, my What kind of dingleberry God. came up with that? Oh, Lord. I am crying. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I have nothing to say to that, so we're just going to use that to shift into the Chatting Average Braves Player of the Week. So this week, Marcelo Zuna has had... 33 at-bats. In those 33 at-bats, he's gotten 16 hits. Of those 16 hits, nine were extra base hits. Mercy! Of those nine extra base hits, five were home runs. And of the 17, uh, of the 17 at-bats in which he did not get a hit, he walked on five of them. Yeah. And so, his- here, so here here here's the thing. Um going into today's game, in my mind I was almost thinking, okay, player of the week this week, 
Like, I almost wanted to give it to both Marcel and Adam Duvall just because of the history that they made, you know. But then Marcel just had such another good day today that I thought there's no way we can't give it to him for this week. Marcelo Zunas had 15 RBIs in the last week. My goodness. Um, these numbers don't sound. I'm 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 reading them from the source. Uh, I I I they don't seem real. And he, and, he, and he's yet got he's got to get NL Player of the Week, right? Absolutely. I mean, like if if he doesn't, I I don't know of anybody that has had a better week than what he just had. In 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 the post game scrum, uh, uh, Freddie Freeman actually said. Uh, something to the effect of Marcelo Zuna needs to be the National League Player of the Week, and if he's not, it's a travesty. I, I agree. And and it's it's rather unusual for Freddie to be that outspoken about about anything really. Um, so uh, that should speak highly to it. So congratulations to Marcelo Zuna for a fabulous week of baseball, and hopefully we see it continue for the next week. And we are back next week to talk about it on a brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast. Bye! With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash chatting average. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.